Welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at NYU, New York University. My name is Paula Beristein, and I'm tonight's co-host, a senior from the Woodlands, Texas, studying political science, and I'm currently an RA at Palladium Hall. And I'm Tom Ellett, your other co-host, and I serve as the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs. Welcome, Paula. How has the semester been for you so far? It's been really great. I love my classes, love my professors. I really feel that like I finally found a community. I've really been connecting with a lot of friends that I hadn't talked to in a while. Um, I'm getting very involved on campus through the RA position, but also through other clubs. And it's just, it's been great. Good. Tell me about the transition from Texas, although you're not originally from Texas, to New York City. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, Originally from Mexico City, I moved there with my family in 2012, so I've been in the U.S. for about seven years, and I think that was a, a little bit of a rougher transition than from Texas to New York, because then after I graduated high school in Texas, I moved to the Philippines for six months, and then I went to Florence for a year as part of the first year away program, and then I came to New York, so I'm just so used to just transitioning and going from place to place and never really settling down that it wasn't, it wasn't that hard. Favorite city that you have been in? So that would be Puerto Princesa in the Philippines. It's uh, the city nearest to the village where I was living. And it was just, it's the Philippines is the most beautiful place on earth. So. I have to add that to my list. Yes, you should. Palawan, it's gorgeous. You are giving me a great recommendation. I know it. Political science as a major, what made you choose that? So as I mentioned, I am from Mexico and when I moved to Texas, I saw that there were a lot of issues people in my community were facing, mainly immigrants. And I realized that while some people can just live about their lives and never pay attention to what's going on, I couldn't have that luxury. And I realized that everything is political, from the streets we drive in, the water we drink, everything is a political decision. And I just wanted to get involved in the decision-making process, so that's that's why I'm studying it, because I've had a lot of privilege and I've had a lot of luck coming to NYU. So I want to make sure that people that haven't had these opportunities do, so they can succeed in life and just not face systemic problems to succeeding. That's wonderful. And we have a guest tonight that is actually on the path that you want to go on. Tell us who our guest is to this evening. So tonight our guest is John Sanchez, who served as an RA in Second Street for C.C. Suarez and Tara Nakata during the 09-11 academic years. Welcome, John, and thank you for joining us on tonight's show. It's a real pleasure having you on. How are you? Where are you? Good. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, home in the Bronx. The Bronx. What a great place, John, and thanks for being on with us. Uh, I spent some of my years in the Bronx going to college there. Uh, Tell us what you're doing currently, and then we'll unpack that later on. Sure. Um, Currently, I'm the district manager of uh, Bronx Community Board 6, which is a uh, local form of government where I uh, oversee the office and try to make the neighborhood better. That's phenomenal. I love that. Let's jump back to your time at Washington Square. What did you study while at NYU? I went to Stern, and I was a management major, but I took about a half semester's worth of courses at Wagner, and those were my most enjoyable courses at NYU. I took classes such as Intro to Public Service, The Politics of New York, Healthcare Policy, The Intersection of Politics and Public Policy. Those were my favorite courses at NYU. What did you get involved in extracurricularly, John, while you were here? Well, obviously I was an RA, but I was also the uh, class president 
at Stern my sophomore and junior years, and I was also a part of a group called Alpha, which is helped which helped uh, Latinos get into finance and accounting positions. Sounds like you were really involved in campus. Yeah, yeah. Um, my first two years, I commuted, and I was very intentional about trying to get immersed um, with campus life because it was important because too often commuters can feel disconnected and I wanted to change that narrative and have that campus connection even before I was an RA. John, were you involved in some of the commuter activities in those early years? I was involved with the orientations um, and there was a core group of commuter friends that we hung out all the time, but that's about it. Did you always want to be an RA while in undergrad? Um, I think after my sophomore year, I was thinking about it more and more just because um, twofold. One, I wanted to gain some leadership experience. I wanted to serve um, on campus in that RA role. And um, so I'd say after sophomore year, I really started thinking about about it seriously. And you were on Second Street, which is a really small, unique building uh, with a a tight-knit group. Talk a little bit about the staff experience that you had. Second Street was great because uh, a lot of students don't even know that Second Street is uh, not too far there, but it's in the Lower East Side. And it was great because my first year as an RA in Second Street, all of us were new RAs, and we were all learning together. And another great thing about Second Street is that a lot of transfer students and upperclassmen come into Second Street. And um, I had mostly juniors and seniors as my residents, so that was good because it was good to have a, a more mature group of students, which was nice. And because all of the RAs were learning together, it was really a congenial environment, and it was very collaborative, and it was fun. The level of support must have been great, because I can't even imagine what it would be like to just all learn it together. I lean on my returners so much to learn the role. Yeah, it's unusual that we have a team with all new RAs together. So, yeah, how, how did that go? <laughs> we, we didn't burn the place down, so it went well. Um, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> the place went, uh, the, it was a great experience. Um, the, uh, I make the joke about the burning the place down because there was actually a fire in my room my first year as an RA, but it got settled. Um, but it was a great experience. We all learned from each other. We all supported each other. And I think that's the fun part about starting a new role is when you're always learning and being challenged and you're learning every day. I think sometimes if you get too comfortable in a role, you kind of lose your edge a little bit. And um, it definitely kept me on my every day when I was an RA. What were your uh, relationships with the residents like? It was fantastic, especially my first year as an RA. I had a floor full of juniors that were a lot of them were transfer students and they weren't from New York. And I pretty much kind of, you know, introduced them to New York City, and they learned the neighborhood. They learned how to navigate the campus. We would hang out outside of programming hours. Um, and that was kind of like my uh, core group um, when I was the first year as an RA. So it was a great experience. And then also, it was, it was rewarding to see residents come up to me asking me about things for professional development, whether it be getting a resume, cover letter, helping them with job interviews. That was very rewarding, and I was able to help a lot of students that way, too. That's amazing. And are you still in contact with any of your former residents? So not in contact with any of the former residents. A lot of them don't live in New York anymore, but um, I still keep in touch with some of my uh, fellow RAs. Some of them are still in New York. Um, I went to one of my uh, uh, fellow RAs, Michelle Bonner. She, she had a uh, career fair career day and actually was a speaker at the career day and we took a nice picture together so uh, every now and then I try to touch base with people. 
you, you got to send us that picture for the RA alumni website that we have going on, John. That, that would be important for us to see. Oh, yeah, I'll send it. I have it on my computer. Beautiful, beautiful. What surprised you most about the RA position for you while you were on, on the staff? I would say what surprised me, two things surprised me. One, how respectful a lot of the students were when you had to enforce the rules. Um, a lot of them would admit, yes, I understand, my music was too loud, I understand, I'll turn it down. Um, there wasn't a lot, of, uh, a lot of pushback when you had to enforce the rules. People understood when they were in the wrong. Um, another thing that surprised me was how willing students were to open up about personal matters in their lives and feeling comfortable to speak to me. Um, that was surprising because I felt students would be a little more guarded, but um, I guess when you earn their trust, people are more open and receptive to talking. And those were the two things that surprised me. What skills did you gain in the role? A bunch of skills. I'd say <laughs> I'm an only child, and, and my family didn't live in a neighborhood where we often spoke to our neighbors or asked what was going on. So uh, it, it, was an, uh, it was an adjustment for me, but learning to live with other people, um, learning to just be neighborly, um, that was a rewarding experience. I also learned a lot about time management and planning events. Um, as you know, being an RA, you have to plan several events, and you have to plan events that will be exciting for students and that will be interesting to students. Um, and then also communication skills, because similar to government and politics, you're, you have a floor of 30 to 40 constituents, and they all have different needs and requests and ideas and you have to navigate that and deal with all the different personalities. So I think the most transferable skill I have from the RA position is the listening skills and communication skills because on a daily basis I'm listening to people with their requests and their needs and trying to navigate that. Yeah, I mean, I guess being an RA, that's the first place where you learn how to be an advocate for other people, which is so important. Oh yes, 100%. And, and I think what was good for the residents was that if they had a, an idea, I would try my best to implement it. So, for example, one resident I remember wanted to do something outside, like kind of like a walking tour. So I think my first program was a walking tour of the West Village, and we saw the High Line. And this was back in 2009 when the High Line just opened. And they appreciated the fact that I listened to their request, and we made it happen. Well, and it also helped that you knew New York City exceedingly well as, you know, as part of that, too. Oh, yes. Um, my first job ever, um, after my freshman year of college, I was a real estate agent. So I would be touring the city with uh, potential clients, showing them apartments. So I learned the West Village really well. I bet you did. What was the best aspect of being a student at NYU for you? I'd say the best aspect of being a student at NYU was taking classes, being able to take classes that on topics that I was interested in. I go back to the classes I took at Wagner, and I'd say um, those classes were probably the most formative for me. I can point to Professor uh, Errol Lewis's class, um, The Politics of New York, where we actually went into City Hall and observed the proceedings on the City Hall Council floor. I can also point to Doug Band, who taught the intersection of politics and public policy, where we actually went to the Clinton Foundation's headquarters in Harlem back then, and Bill Clinton actually spoke to us about public service. Um, I'd say those two classes really 
I took a lot from those classes, and they were very important to me, and that's why I singled them out. Um, but on a larger scale, I'd say the people and the friends I made at NYU was very important. When you think about uh, your colleagues and your peers who went to more of a traditional college, what did you feel like you lost anything by coming to NYU compared to the places with the football games and the you know the big traditional fraternities and sorority life, et cetera, et cetera? Not at all. I, I never wanted that experience. I'm a New Yorker. I love cities. I love places with big populations. So I, NYU is always my top choice. And I think, I think when you have a community in college, community is more than your peers. It's the larger neighborhood. And I think what NYU affords that other universities don't is that you have more opportunities to engage with the larger community. There's five boroughs in New York City. You have an opportunity to interact with all five of them throughout your time in college. And I think when you're off in a suburban atmosphere, you kind of lose some of that where you're stuck on campus. What's great about NYU is that you can take what you learn on campus and then expand it to other parts of New York City. And you certainly have done that. Yes, yes. (laughs) If you can make it in New York City, you can make it anywhere. I agree with you. John, it's been great talking to you so far. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to jump into your current role and your experiences working as the district manager of the Bronx Community Board 6. We'll be right back. Thank you. Hello there, I'm Michelle Pomeroy, an RA alum, and I'm happy to tell you briefly about Bellyfire Productions. It is the video production and photography company that I now run in New York City and other parts of the country and around the globe. So while our main base is here in New York, uh, we do work with social impact organizations the world over, nonprofits, foundations, individuals that are looking to drive social change in their communities. Reach out if you have any questions. Bellyfireproductions.com is a website. You can find my contact there. Or if you're just interested in learning more about production and photography, I'm more than happy to answer questions and help you on that journey as well. Welcome back, John. We've just heard from you about your experiences at NYU and your undergraduate outside the classroom and in the classroom experiences. Now we're gonna talk a little bit more about what you've done since you've left NYU. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about what does a district manager for the Bronx community do on a day-to-day basis? What, what are the things that you involve yourself with? I'd say the easiest way to explain my job is that it's very similar to being a city council member, except I don't introduce legislation and I don't receive millions of dollars in capital funds to fund community events. But I deal with the same issues. For example, people call my office about traffic concerns, whether that's requesting a stop sign, a pothole to be filled, or a traffic light to be put back in power if it's out. People also call my office about trash not being picked up. They call my office about concerns about safety if there's crime in the neighborhood. Another fun thing about my job is that I also am able to plan community events. So, for example, if the community wants to have financial literacy workshops or civics workshops, we're able to plan that with our budget. Um, so each day is a little bit different, but it's like being a city council member. I try to address people's concerns on the neighborhood level. I can't think of a better job to go into after being an RA. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> yeah, and the, the the interesting thing about the job that I have now is that I didn't know it existed when I was in college. And I would say to any student listening, your career path will not be a, a straight straight road. Um, I had five jobs in five years after college. 
and I didn't know my current job existed. So I'd say you have to be open to new opportunities and explore, and you don't have to be married to a specific path where I want to do this by this year. Be flexible and be open to new experiences. So you mentioned five jobs in five years, and you graduated from Stern. Yes. So how did you decide to start working in politics and more specifically in local government? Yes. So um, I was a personal trainer right before I got into government, and I realized I really wanted to get back into government. It's always been my passion. And I didn't know how to start. I didn't have any connections in government. Um, I didn't have a, I didn't come from a political family. So I just did what, you know, what I always would preach to other students. I was proactive. So I reached out to a local campaign in the Bronx that was launching. I sent them an email. They didn't know me from anywhere. And they told me to come and volunteer. And I started volunteering three times a week. And then eventually I was uh, paid a $500 stipend a month, making big bucks. And uh, (laughs) fortunately, the candidate won, and I became his deputy chief of staff. And that's really what set me on the course to do what I'm doing now. But it all started from sending an email, being proactive, and being willing to volunteer. So what's it like to be on the ground for a political campaign? Yeah. (laughs) So I was learning everything for the first time. So I was learning uh, what triple prime voters are the importance of knocking on doors, the importance of training canvassers to uh, appropriately communicate what the candidate's message is. I would say the most hectic part of a campaign is probably the weekend before the election. And what you're doing is you're you're sending the people that you trained to a bunch of different locations throughout the neighborhood, and you're asking them to knock on doors and, and make sure that people are supporting your candidate. So that way you have a target number of voters you have. Um, And then Election Day itself is exciting because it's pretty much a 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. day. And you're constantly bringing people in and out to the office, sending them to knock on doors, et cetera. And then you wait for the count around 9, 9.30. Um, So it's very exciting. It's very fast-paced. It was a great experience, and I recommend everyone to at least volunteer on one campaign. And I think it's very empowering as well to work on a campaign because you're not only advocating for someone else, you're also developing certain leadership skills and putting yourself out there, which is very hard. And I'll say another thing about campaigns and politics. It's one of the few fields where someone with little to no experience can rise very quickly if they're a hard worker and they're competent in their job. Certain jobs, you have to wait your turn. You have to wait several years before you can advance. Politics, if you're a high performer, you can move very quickly. John, how, how do you know which candidate is the one you want to volunteer for? And how did you figure that out for yourself? And how would you uh, tell an NYU undergraduate who wants to work on a campaign how to find the right campaign person to actually want to re- represent? Whew, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> there's a strategic way to do it, and then there's the, the personal you know, convictions way to do it. The way I approached it was, I wanted to work with a candidate that didn't receive establishment backing. And that's because establishment candidates tend not to be the best. And I also researched the candidates. I looked up what their platforms were. I looked to see if they had a website. Very basic things. I don't want to work for a candidate that doesn't have a website that isn't getting press written about them, who doesn't have a bio that I can follow. Um, And then you start volunteering at the office and see what the environment is like 
Um, and then I realized I picked the right candidate. But for me personally, it was about working on a campaign that wasn't filled with establishment figures because I was new, I was inexperienced, and I wanted to work with someone that was challenging the establishment. That's amazing. Looking at some of the more recent work you've been doing, you've pushed to establish a youth court, pushed for more literacy programs in your community. You've been an excellent advocate, which it's for a community that's often overlooked by the city. What are some of the biggest obstacles you've had to overcome in this role? I'd say there's a few obstacles. One, to your point, um, the area I work in is in the central Bronx. So it's Belmont, West Farms, East Tremont. It's, an, it's a neighborhood that's about a 20-minute walk from the train in either direction. As a result, it doesn't get the attention other parts of New York City get. So a challenge I have is getting more resources to this neighborhood um, so it's not overlooked because even though we're not near the train, thousands of people live here every day and they also need services. Another challenge that I find in government is that sometimes there are simple things that can be done, but other government agencies or other entities don't want to join on board with what you're doing. And then also, there's always this belief that more can be done and time is limited. And you always want, I always want to do more, but there's only so many hours in a day and there's only so much money I have in my budget. So it's just managing expectations and being patient. Um, that can be a, a challenge. Certainly there's a, a role for local politics, and then I'd say a lot of students want to be involved in the national level. What do you think are the differences, and how would you capture that to explain to some young student who's thinking about one direction or the other? I'd say national politics tends to get more attention because it's on the media more. But before anyone gets on national politics, they should start at the local level because that's when you're dealing with people more and more. As you go more and more into different levels of government, you get a little bit more removed from everyday people. And local government is a great way to enter because people come to your office asking for help with eviction threats. They, they come to your office asking for turkeys for Thanksgiving or they come to your office saying, I feel unsafe in my neighborhood, can there be an increased police presence? And it puts a lot of the grand policy ideas in perspective. The national scene gets locked into a argument, into about, you're on the left, you're on the right, you're wrong, you're wrong, but it kind of forgets the normal person walking through their neighborhood every day that's just trying to get by. And I would imagine you can see your impact much more than I think national level can. Yes, and we're able to do smaller initiatives quicker versus a lot of the debates in Washington right now. Medicare for all, forgiving student loan debt. These are things that will take a lot of time to happen, and they'll have a great impact, but it takes much longer versus something on the local level can be implemented a lot quicker. What do you think are some of the ever-changing issues facing city government today? So there's a few things. Personally, I think there's not enough attention on recruiting the next pipeline of talent of people that will work in city government. There are various programs recruiting the next generation of leaders for finance, law, entertainment, but it's not really a strong pipeline of recruiting the next people that will be running our government. I mean, New York City has a $90 billion budget, and that's run by people that will graduate from college. Um, so I think recruiting that talent and encouraging people to want to enter government, making it exciting, rather than losing all of the talent to more uh, lucrative positions. Another challenge in city government is that 
I'd say it's just the nature of government in general. Sometimes things take longer than you want. Um, even to build a bathroom in a city park in New York City can take a few years. So I think those are challenges that we have, but I think we really want to recruit the next uh, pipeline of talent. And I think that's important for the future of the city. You just mentioned uh, New York City. Tell me about the uniqueness of city government in New York City. Well, yeah, so <laughs> so in New York City, we have an interesting govern, governing structure. We have a mayor, we have 51 city council members, we have five borough presidents, and then we have uh, 59 community boards. So there's a layer of government everywhere. Um, and also, each community in New York City kind of has its own nuances and things, points of view. Um, that's what makes it exciting. Um, that's also what makes it challenging. You can literally be in the same zip code, and one part of that zip code disagrees strongly with in, with uh, installing bike lanes, while the other part of the zip code loves it. Um, but that's just New York City. Um, it's a challenge, but it's also exciting. And to be able to say that you work for the largest city in the country is an exciting thing. What do you think are some of the most pressing issues facing New York City right now? We, we see a lot of what happening here in the news, but at a more local level, what are you seeing? I'll speak to the district I work in in the Bronx. Um, I'd say there's two, there's short-term and long-term challenges. I'd say one long-term challenge is the state of our public schools. Um, unfortunately, a lot of our schools, students are reading below grade level and performing math below grade level, where less than 20% of students are reading at grade level. And then we have about a 60% high school graduation rate. Um, in the district that I work in, less than 10% of people have a college degree. So one, I'd say improving public education. But then two, another important ch challenge that we face is um, a lack of affordable housing. And there's arguments on both sides, but in order to have more housing, we need to build more. And there are certain communities that don't want tall buildings in their neighborhood, but I would say to them, if we want to expand our, if we want to improve communities, we want to have a large growing population, we need to, we need to build more. We're a limited space island. We need to build taller. We need to build more. We need more affordable housing. Uh, we can't limit growth in New York City. We're the biggest city in the country for a reason. If people want to limit growth of a city, they should move to the suburbs. Um, New York City does well when we invite more people to come here and when we build more housing for people to stay here. So what experiences does a uh, NYU undergraduate need to build a career in city government? I would say it's similar to the success in any field, but there's a few practical things students can do, um, especially in this age where things are more and more competitive. One, I'd say being a hard worker, but also two, um, being proactive. So two specific examples. When I say being a hard worker, that does that means coming into an office, um, being willing to stay there late, get there early, but also being willing to pitch ideas or suggest ideas about how the organization can be doing better. Um, I'd say the second thing people can do to be prepared for city government is do their research. This is a complex city with a lot of moving pieces, Knowledge is power, and the more informed people are in terms of the history of the city, but also current events in the city, that goes a long way. Um, I'd say two specific news sources that students can use if they're interested in city government are 
Gotham Gazette and City and State. They mail daily newsletters by email. Those are great resources to learn about what's going on in city government. So you've talked a lot about working for local government, and you obviously interact a lot with the community that you live in, and you're able to see the fruits of your labor closer than if you were in the federal government. Can you tell us a little bit more about one of the most memorable moments you've had working uh, for the community board? Yes, I can point to one specific example. Um, in my district, there was a tragedy where a young, where a young man was killed um, by gang members, And some of the young people that knew him, they approached me asking for a safe place to play sports on summer nights. Very simple request. Uh, there were certain elected officials that were doing press conferences denouncing the violence, but they weren't willing to help fund the space for young people to play at night. So my office steps at the table, and for about six weeks in the summer, two days a week, a hundred kids were lined up 15 minutes early to play basketball two days a week. And it was something small, but it meant a lot to them because someone listened to their concern and they provided them a safe place to play sports at night. Just think of that, a simple novel idea, providing a safe haven for young people to play sports at night so they stay out of trouble. And it's something that I'm proud of because we did it for two years in a row. We're going to continue to do it every year. And it sh just shows that a little goes a long way and that certain programs that are successful should be replicated because we have hundreds of empty school buildings during the summer in New York City. Why aren't those buildings being utilized for community usage? And um, I, I hope that what we've been doing for the past two years can become a model for the city one day. It's a great suggestion, and I agree with you. Um, you know, why do we have empty buildings when, when kids are on the streets uh, and could utilize those spaces? Uh, great idea. Um, John, let's uh, end it up by giving you some shout-out time. I know you gave one shout-out, but do you stay in contact with your former RA peers or uh, senior staff members uh, during your time here at NYU? Um, so Michelle, for sure, um, and Nafi, um, I follow her on, on, on social media. She's doing great things. Uh, she uh, became a mother recently. Um, James Lobo is uh, working at a law firm. And um, Josh Eisenhower is uh, doing the sommelier thing, going around the world, working in restaurants. Uh, so shout out to all of them. Well, that whole team had done a, a wonderful things uh, since their graduation day. Let's jump to speed round. Great. All right. Your all-time favorite book. <laughs> so I saw this question, <laughs> and um, I have to put two. One, I'm going to put The Power Broker by Robert Caro. Um, and then the second book I'll put, I read it recently, um, Team of Rivals by uh, Doris Goodwin. Great books, great books. Uh, what do you miss about living in a residence hall most? Um, I, miss, I miss that uh, sense of community. Um, a lot of times in, in New York City, you kind of go throughout your life, you don't really speak to your neighbors, but what was great about living on campus was you always had a sense of community, you were always checking in with people. Even if it was just to have a quick conversation with someone, you had that community built in. So that's what I really missed about uh, living on campus. So you talked a little bit about that Highline pro uh, program that you did, but what's the best program you think you did as an RA? Ooh, best, so I was also thinking about this. I think the best program I did, um, I'd say 
my residents would probably say when we went to see uh, a comedy show and then we did karaoke right after. That was fun. That was a good event. Celebrity sightings while an NYU student, John. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, when I was an RA, we also saw J. Cole in concert at Kimmel, so that was also good. So we did some fun things when I was an RA. Favorite part of Second Street? Um, favorite part of Second Street was um, the neighborhood, being near the Lower East Side. Um, and just also, it was just people were, people wanted to be involved in Second Street, whether it was Hall Council, um, programming things. People wanted to get involved. It was a tight-knit community and just... Um, People like being around each other. I think that's important <laughs> when you're an RA. You want to be in an environment where people like being around each other. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Favorite NYU professor? I'd say uh, Errol Lewis. He's the, uh, he's the anchor for New York One um, inside City Hall. But um, he was an adjunct, but it's probably one of the favorite, my favorite classes that I took. Great adjunct. Oh, yeah. We, I was lucky. John, thank you so much for spending time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where your life has taken you after NYU. Yes, thank you both for having me. As always, thanks to our listeners who can stay connected with ARI alums who are living in the Dream School alumni version life. John, you're a stand-up guy, and, and it's really impressive what you're doing to really leave a mark behind and planting the seeds for that mark to grow long after you're gone. So thank you for being with us tonight. Yes, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Special thanks to our new engineer, Dean Maupin, our executive director, Duncan Lemieux, and our executive producer, Shahara Ranasing. And to the current professional staff and the alums like C.C. Suarez and Tara Nakata, who helped develop these great RA alums for doing the things they're doing in our communities today. If you like the show, look for more content on our newly unveiled NYU RA alumni website at where-ra-now.webflow.io, which lists RA favorite books, pics of all your favorite moments as RAs, alumni accomplishments, and ways to be mentored. Until next time, you go out there and plant the seeds for our communities to flourish. 